All right, well, Happy New Year, Happy New Year. Who here is really excited? It's 2017. Give me some clap. Here we go. Uh, who here is more excited? It's not 2016 anymore. How about that? That's great. <laughs> 2016 was just one of those crazy years. You've been hearing it for weeks and months now, just of how so many things changed and the chaos, the division. I remember uh, Spotify, it's a music streaming uh, kind of company. They had this uh, advertisement that say, thanks 2016, it's been weird which totally fits 2016. We had the chaos of the 2016 election, right? Every day, every week seemed like another scandal coming out. The division of the racial tensions in America, uh, all-time high. The sadness of the Syrian refugee crisis, uh, just seeing stories and seeing pictures really tough to see. Then you had this weird pop culture stuff come up like Pokemon Go. Does anyone remember Pokemon Go? It lasted like two seconds, right? It was people obsessed, running to each other, looking at their phones. And then you had this very weird thing that became uh, trending everywhere was the mannequin challenge. Anybody seen the mannequin challenge? This is the Cleveland uh, Cavaliers at the White House. Uh, our middle school, high school students, we did it in our ministry. Just a weird kind of dumb thing we did. Uh, it was amazing. And then, of course, of all the teams to win the World Series this year, the Chicago Cubs. That's crazy. They are never supposed to win ever in 2016. Just allowed it. They will win this year. Uh, then in Vegas, uh, we had, you know, of all the pro teams to come is a hockey team in the middle of the desert, right? Which is, we're all very excited about. The Golden Knights, can't wait for them to come. And then hopefully uh, coming down the road is the Las Vegas Raiders. And they're really good this year. Like how is this happening, right? I don't know how far they'll go. Of course, their quarterbacks hurt. But, man, when they come, I will bandwagon just really bad. I mean, I'll have every shirt and hat because I don't care about them now. But when they come, I'll love them. But that's just what 2016 has been about all over the world and for us. And I don't know what it's like for you, but I'm so glad that we get to start a brand new year on this day here at the crossing. And for us, just absolutely to just kind of recalibrate, right, our hearts and our souls and our mind, just what God has in store for us this year. Uh, for 2016 in my life, uh, my grandmother, she passed away, and it actually wasn't my grandmother, it was my wife's grandmother, but I definitely, I was adopted as a grandchild for her, and uh, she was just one of those amazing women. In fact, everyone called her grandmother. People at work, people at church, her neighbors, everyone called her grandmother. She was an insane cook uh, in Kentucky, where I'm from. Food is a big deal, and she had the best fried chicken homemade. It was unbelievable. She had these biscuits that were uh, handmade, and she made real mashed potatoes, people, okay, with potatoes in them. This is the best stuff ever. Uh, then uh, 88 years old, she was like the most active woman that I've ever seen. She worked full time. Uh, she had a knitting group. She led a Bible study. Uh, she'd be the greeter at the same door every single Sunday. In fact, people uh, came to her funeral that never really had a conversation with her, but knew her as grandmother and felt welcome and just loved her and just wanted to be a part of celebrating her life on that day. And imagine this. She was also a volunteer of this ministry called Bruised Reed in Kentucky. And it's a ministry in which people, uh, our church, would go and love and uh, just encourage those in uh, the strip clubs. And imagine my 88-year-old grandmother baking a birthday cake for the bouncer, just showing up, and here's a cake. And then you'd have her amazing mashed potatoes for the girls in the dressing room, just have conversations with them, just loving on them. Just imagine that, my 88-year-old grandmother doing that. She was amazing. And another word I would describe her as is a woman of no filter, Okay. Of course, not just of what she said and shared her opinions, which she was old, so she was allowed to do that. But I imagine uh, more of like Instagram filters, okay? Remember where you take a picture and you put a filter on the picture to make it look better than it is, right? But 
But then you take a picture of the sunset or the beach pictures, and they're just so perfect. They're so great. You don't need a filter. Well, that was my grandmother. It was, she didn't need a filter. She was great as is. She didn't need to pretend or act differently or be someone she wasn't around, whether she's around special needs, the LGBT community, the strip clubs, her small group, or even her grandkids. She was the same. She had no filter. She was great as is. And of course, when we go to funerals or when somebody passes away, we tell stories about them, wonderful words to describe of who they were, what they meant on our life. And I just want to take that same exercise for us today. What if this was this the last year for you? What would be those words that you would want people to describe you as? What was the stories, the memories? Who would show up? Who would tell the stories about you? This uh, Saturday, um, we're going to celebrate the life of Tim Coop. And he was one of our pastors here at the crossing, but just one of those spiritual giants. He passed away Christmas Eve, and he was one of those guys that made the biggest ripple with his life and this impacted thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people. And with words I would describe of Tim, even my grandmother, I would describe words like godly and loving, arms wide open, just like that picture. His arms were huge, and he'd wrap you up, patient, not worried, went at his own pace, sure of themselves, life changers, and no filter. They're just great as is. And I don't want to be someone who's retired and I have this figured out, right? I want to figure this out now. How do I have no filter in my life today? And that's what I'd like for us to do as an exercise this week, of course. Every year we get to kind of start new, start fresh, recalibrate what God has for us. And I hope today at lunch or dinner or sometime this week, you spend time with your spouse or your kids. And you just have a moment just to describe, okay, what do I want to be like this year? Who do I want to be this year? And just put it at the top of your page on your own time with God. God, give me some words, some vision of what you have for me this year. And hopefully this year you have a no filter kind of year. Well, we're going to start uh, kind of diving into a conversation in Romans 14. And Paul, who's an apostle of Jesus, he's planning all these churches, brand new churches all over the known world. And he's planning this one church in Rome. And because it's a new church with new Christians, they're really trying to figure out how to live in community and especially deal with a lot of the theological problems that are rising up and how they're dealing with it. And one of the things that the problem they're dealing with, which is so great for today, is they're dealing with the issue of food, okay? Most of us, we are not going to eat food for a while because of the holidays. Uh, these were skinny jeans, and I've grown now. It's like yoga pants. And so for us, that's what's beginning to happen. And so they're having an issue with food, an issue of do I eat meat or do I not eat meat? And they're having this conflict, this theological conflict. But Paul, he's not really addressing those issues. He's going to address a how they actually are talking to each other, how they are arguing with each other. And that's what's causing a lot of division in this church. And of course, as I bring this to your attention to what Paul is sharing about, I want you to think about maybe not food, what you argue with with somebody else, but maybe it's another thing that just annoys you. That one thing that your husband does or your kids do and just drives you nuts and it's causing some tension in your relationship as we read this, okay? In Romans 14, when it says this, accept the one whose faith is weak, without quarreling over disputable matters, except the one whose faith is weak. It doesn't say manipulate the one whose faith is weak. It doesn't say passively aggress the person whose faith is weak. He says accept the one whose faith is weak. And uh, in the original language, the word accept means this, to actually wrap your arms around them and let them inside your heart. And I like they makes the difference between disputable and indisputable. Because indisputable problems that somebody might have or situation is if they're harming themselves 
or they're harming others, using illegal substances, or making destructive decisions, that's your chance to be prayerful of how to talk to this person in this indisputable, no question, we're going to hash this out. But then there's those disputable matters, those trivial things that come up in our life, like questions you might ask somebody like, why do you spin the way you do? Why do you keep the car the way you do? Why are you late all the time? Why does it take you so long to text me back? Why do you dress the way you dress? Why do you eat the way you eat? Where you shop, where you shop? Why do you post the things you post? It's those trivial things, right, that brings tension on our relationships. And you know this, if somebody's late all the time or doesn't text you back or email you back in a timely manner, you think, oh, they're lazy. You put the filter of disorganized, of apathetic, of disrespectful. And here's the thing, when you put a filter on someone, it merely puts a filter on you because you treat them differently. You treat them the way in which you see them. So this past year, a good question is, what were you bothered by the most this past year? What in someone else, what trivial, disputable matter were you just kind of frustrated with? What were you obsessive over, right? What were those obsessive thoughts you had of a coworker, somebody in the family, or maybe just your situation that kept you up at night? And I think if you had those obsessive moments, just like I've had my obsessive moments, we should live by this saying this year, what you obsess needs to be addressed. It rhymes, so it's true. But what you obsess needs to be addressed. Take action. And those things are bothering you and you're obsessing over. And not just take action just out of nowhere, but take action in the way that you speak and bring life in what you say. And that's the first thing I think to live a no-filter kind of life at 2017 is bring life in what you say. In Proverbs 18, it says this, The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. So are you a person who wants to bring death or life of what you say? There's a story of uh, my friend, uh, Mark and Michelle, friends, Mark and Michelle, and in their early years of marriage, uh, Mark had this sitcom husband problem, okay? And husbands, you know exactly what I'm talking about, where your wife is giving you instructions of what the day is going to look like, what you should get at the grocery store, and what time you should be back, and all these information. And the, at the husband, you're just like trying to memorize it all, right? And then there's moments where you forget, and you don't come back at the right time, or you forgot to pick up the child at you know, school. So you have these husband, sitcom husband moments. And my wife and I, we had this this past week of with the holidays being crazy, I was supposed to be back at a certain time. I kind of forgot, and then I was embarrassed to text her because I was supposed to know and not forget, and then I forgot. And so we had a moment of tension, right? So Mark and Michelle had these, like, husband and wife just moments, right, of arguing and forgetting things. And so Michelle just had it up to here. She was over it with Mark. And so she called Mark up and just went off on him. And he was with his friend at that time, and so his friend could hear every word that Michelle was saying. And she was just being really demeaning. She was saying, you're stupid. You always forget stuff. You know, why are we even together? And this is the hundredth time I've told you this. And over and over again, just really bearing him, you know, bearing this guy. So, of course, he hangs up. Hangs up. Mark is just super depressed. His friend's like, man, she really, like, went off on you. He's like, yeah, but, you know, I deserve it. I keep forgetting stuff. I'm trying to listen. You know, I feel embarrassed when I forget stuff. He's like, you know what? That might be true. And she might have a right to be frustrated with you. But this is the key point. No one should ever talk to another person like that ever again. No one should speak to each other like that. No one should be demeaning, bringing back the past, threatening to leave. And maybe for you and for your spouse, your situation, your kids, or your work situation, that you just say, okay, this year I will not be saying this. Last year I didn't love how we spoke to each other. This year we're going to bring life in what we say. We're not going to say, why are you even with me? We're not going to look at our kids and say, you're just like your father, just like your mother. We're not going to say words like, you're pathetic, you're an idiot. Kids, you're not going to call your parents, I hate you, or you're stupid, right? We're going to bring life in what we say. And even in those obsessive moments, 
steps of thought so you have to address, bring life in those moments. Okay, we'll move on from to verse 2, what Paul says, one person's faith allows them to eat anything. But another, whose faith is weak, this is great, eats only vegetables. Finally, if you love kale and kale salad and kale smoothies, your faith is weak. It's here in the Bible. Paul said it. I didn't say it. I'm sorry. My faith is strong because I get steak and I get a side of bacon and pork chops, fried chicken. I'm strong. Okay, my faith is amazing, right? So finally, we get to put filters on other people, judge them for being all healthy, okay? Finally, Paul's like, yeah, they're dumb. But then he says in verse 3, the one who eats everything, like me, must not treat with contempt or put filters on the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted the both of them. So I can't judge you. I really hate that, but I'd like to, but can't now. But I love that last part of God has accepted the both of them. That God has already accepted you, and what a great day to understand that truth for us. No matter your age, social status, economic level, what you wear, what you post, if you're messy, if you're late all the time, if you're a Patriots or Cowboys fan, that he's already accepted you, accepted them all. And you probably know this, but Jesus shared about the golden rule. You probably know about the golden rule, treat others the way that you would want to be treated. But Paul is sort of doing a new kind of rule. And I heard this from another pastor, and I love it, introducing sort of like the diamond rule. The diamond rule says this, treat others the way that God has treated you. I love that. Treat others the way God has treated you. And some of you need to say, maybe use this phrase, treat yourself the way that God has treated you. Because many of us, man, we hurt ourselves emotionally in our thoughts. We tear ourselves down. So treat others, treat yourself the way that God has treated you. Because God loved you when you were unlovable. He accepted you before you accepted him. In the middle of your rebellion, he was always there with you. And when we live by the diamond rule, we become patient with others. Because God is so patient with us, we'll do better to accept other people's faults and their little trivial, disputable matters because God accepts all of our mess and all of our annoyances and trivial matters, right? We speak to one another differently because how gently God speaks to us. And when we post and retweet and we text somebody, we'll do that gently because God has been gentle with us. Well, skipping to verse 10, Paul says this, You then, why do you judge your brother and sister? And why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. He's making a huge claim here. Because no matter what your title is, whether it's husband or wife or mom or dad, employee, boss or student, you can take off judging off your list. Okay, you don't have to worry about that anymore. That is God's responsibility. No matter what somebody's decisions are, what they decide to live, that's God judging them. That's his responsibility. That's his job. We don't have to do that. And imagine again, go back to our exercise, what would somebody say to you at your funeral? Would they say, man, they were so judgmental. It was awesome. They were great. I felt awesome every day I was around them. We wouldn't want that about ourselves, right? Verse 13, the last part here I'll share. Paul says, therefore, let us stop passing judgment, putting filters on one another. Instead, make up your mind. I love that. Not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of your brother or your sister. And now in that context, he's saying, if you eat meat, don't eat the fried chicken and steak in front of the vegetarian who's going to be really frustrated that you're just putting that right in their face, right? And if you're a vegetarian who's all healthy and you're bragging about your juice and what you're eating and not eating and you're doing that in front of the meat person, don't do that. They're going to make you mad at each other. And this is why God, this is why it's so important because when you're in conflict and not addressing that conflict with another person, you have conflict with God. Because when you have issue with one of his sons and daughters, you're going to have an issue with God. And that's something that needs to be resolved. 
to live a no-filter life where no matter who you're around, no matter what your circumstance, we'll treat others the way God has treated you and not cause anyone around you to stumble in their faith. And many of you, you just need to make up your mind. Today, just begin to choose that you will no longer think this way or move this way or treat others this way. For some of you, especially for me, being a middle school, high school pastor, I get to hear all the students, their problems. And then I get to hear not only their problems, but the family's problems, which for some of you parents kind of freaks you out. But the two things I hear a lot is parents or people just wanting to leave Vegas. They just want to get out of here. And they're just waiting for God to open up that door, that job in a different place. Maybe for this year, you need to stay here, right? You need to plant your foot firmly saying, God, I am here for as long as you want me to be here. And so let me call this place home. And whoever walks through this door, who sits in my row, I will treat them exactly the way that you have treated me. And just be here, be content. Another thing I hear a lot from students and from parents is it's the school system. And you have a hard time with where your kids are maybe are going to school. And I tell students all the time, he has you exactly where he wants you. That he wants you to be a light in this dark place. That's, that class or that teacher you have a hard time with, he has you there for a reason. That locker is right next to that person. He wants you to cl- uh, connect and, co- and talk to that person. He has you there for a reason. And parents, same thing. That you have parents and families who need your help and need your love and your acceptance. The hardest thing for a parent, and trust me, we all know this, is not to judge other parents of how they parent, right? That's the hardest thing to do. But for many of us, to accept them, and to love them, and to invite them in our life, treat them the way that God has treated us. My daughter, Reese, uh, she's turning six this Wednesday. She's in kindergarten at a Clark County school. And uh, she was nervous at first. I was too. We all were. But she's a very social person, just like my wife. Just can be friends with anybody, make new friends. And the way the classroom is set up, that you have separate desks. They're all kind of pushed together like a table. And Reese loves that, my daughter. And so she gets to hang out with people. But then about a week or two into the school year, there's this kid that she told us about that was the bad kid. We're like, oh, no, what's, what's the bad kid do? He's like, well, he doesn't pay attention, and he just gets up whenever he wants to, and, you know, all this stuff. I'm like, oh, it's so sad. Well, of course, you know, we go further, like, you know, where does he sit? Like, he doesn't sit with anybody. He sits off by himself. The teacher has placed his desk away from everyone else. That's so sad. And so we tell our daughter, Reese, like, okay, he might be considered a bad kid, but we want you to treat him just like you treat your best friend. You know, like cafeteria and the recess, you, you include him. You don't treat him any differently because we all know. And maybe you've experienced this too. When you have a label of being a bad person or whatever that could be for you, that could stick with you for a long time. So my daughter uh, had this birthday party, and we had it yesterday at my house, and we had a Trolls movie-themed birthday party. Yes, I have a five-year-old. And uh, it was super cute. It was great. Poppy the Troll showed up, and we played the whole soundtrack over and over again. And, uh, but we printed off a bunch of invites of our address and my wife's email and of everybody in the class. We want everyone to go. And my daughter was so excited. Not only because she got to invite her friends, but she got to invite the bad kid and couldn't wait to extend that invitation to him. And the teacher looked at us and said, you have no idea what it means for a kid to be invited. And you have no idea what it means for the parent for their kid to be invited. And so I think the school systems will change when we go from the inside out, when we begin to love and accept us and treat others the way that God has treated us within the school system. Amen. Absolutely. You know, next week we're going to begin a brand new series called Encounter. We're going to go through the whole book of Mark. You know, you heard that earlier from Lauren. And, and for me, last, uh, last year I read through Mark. And there's one passage, one chapter that really stuck out to me. It was Mark 7. And Jesus just healed this deaf man. He couldn't speak. And the people just freaked out over this miracle. And this is what they said. 
in verse 37, they were completely amazed. And they said over and over again, everything he does, everything Jesus does is wonderful. He even makes the deaf to hear and gives speech to those who cannot speak. Now, we could spend 30 minutes on this one passage, but the part that really stuck out to me is where it says, everything he does is wonderful. And if I have chosen to submit my life and my will and my desires and what I think and what I do all to Jesus, and I've accepted in my life, then I want everything I do to be wonderful. And my prayer is that this year, 2017, everything that you do will be wonderful. You know, a story that came out when my grandmother passed away, one of the stories that no one knew about that you just love to hear, uh, is about this mother at a church and, in Kentucky. She's about 20, 25 years younger than grandmother, and she had a son that was very difficult. And one night he got arrested and was in jail. And just like a church like this, the mother could have picked anyone to call, anyone for help, and she chose my grandmother, my 80-year-old grandmother. At 2 in the morning, she got up and went to the mother's house. They drove together to the jail, bailed her son out. And the next time the grandmother, my grandmother saw both of them, she didn't give the mother a lecture of how she should parent differently. And if you made this decision and you do these things, you raise him up differently, he wouldn't act like this. He didn't, she didn't look at this son and say, you need to treat your mother differently, you know, better. And she's just dying for you and she's praying for you. You had all these people helping you out. You're not doing anything. She didn't lecture anybody. She didn't have a payment plan of all the bail money that she needed back. She just loved them. She treated them the way that God has treated her with grace and love and patience. And only God could do something like that, right? Only God could take a mother 25 years younger than my grandmother and call her up in the most horrible moments of her life, the mother's life, and that be the person. Because my grandmother was wonderful. Because my wonderful grandmother followed and knew Jesus. And everything she did was wonderful. And I want what I say to be wonderful. I want how I work to be wonderful. I want how I raise my two kids and one on the way in February to be wonderful. I want how I love my wife, even those moments where I forget the wrong kind of thing at the grocery store. I want to do that wonderfully. I want my interactions on the road and people behind the register and waiters and waitresses to be wonderful. And I want my relationship with God to be wonderful. And so what I'd like to do as we close our time uh, today I'd like for us, uh, just in a few moments, we're all going to stand. We're going to uh, read this prayer that I wrote this week, just for 2017. Prayer for myself and hopefully prayer for you. And as we're done with this prayer, I want you just to high five or shake hands and just tell everyone have a wonderful 2017. All week, just say, hey, have a wonderful 2017. And we all know what wonderful means, right? We want everyone to follow Jesus the way he has for us. And as you're walking out, we're going to play this video. And somebody from YouTube who uh, had this song, a song in 2016, probably the most overplayed song in 2016, but we're going to play it. And there are going to be people dancing all around the world to this song. And I was just dancing our way out of this place because I think that there's a lot that can happen that God can do in our lives. And we should be expectant and anticipate all that he's going to do. And so I pray that 2017 is going to be an awesome, awesome year, a wonderful year. So let's all stand up. Let's pray this prayer together. I want you to high five, encourage one another, and then dance our way out. All right, here we go. God, help me imitate the wonderful life of Jesus and all I do. A little louder. Here we go. Let my words bring life in all those I interact with. God, help me address those obsessive moments with courage and wisdom. I pray that in the dark moments, you'll shine like a lighthouse guiding me through the rough waters. I pray that in the moments of blessing, you'll allow me to acknowledge that it is you lavishing your love on me. 
Let 2017 be the year that don't give in, let up, look down or leave out, but dive in. I look up, move forward and let in all that you have for me. I believe that the best is yet to come. So God, make 2017 the best year yet. And everyone said, amen. Amen. High five each other. Tell everybody a wonderful 2017.